On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are joined by one of our favorite guests. It is Phil Perry in the house. We are talking all things Patriots offseason. It's going to be a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's People, we are here. We're live on Twitter and YouTube. We're all over the place with one of our favorite guests. You can see him down here at the bottom, Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston. Phil, thanks so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Of course, guys. Happy to chat. What's going on? Good time to have you too. A big fan of the uh, the Next Pats podcast. Oh, a lot thank of you. Draft draft uh, research. Yep. So I liked your trade up recently. Well, we'll have to get right into that with Zach Wilson, the Gilmore trade. Uh, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Mm, I, I'm the more time that goes by, the more I feel like it is out of the realm of possibility. Well, but well, I'm still well, happy I'm to talk the, about it. The, the more, yeah, the more. I guess the more likely one, I guess, would be a Gilmore situation, right? Um, what would you get for him? Would they trade him? Um, I guess we can hop right into that because that's a that's a name, right? There's always you always see Belichick kind of fill the gap between you know days two and three. Obviously, they lose their own third rounder, which would have been, I think, around 72. Um, around there, they pick at 46 and not till 96. So how do they kind of fill the gap there? That could be a, an interesting spot to kind of do it. Yeah, no doubt. And I think you look at what's going on with Stefan Gilmore and his contract, and he's scheduled to play on a base salary of $7 million next year. Not sure how likely that is. No, so, no. you know, what's got to give? Either – the Patriots are going to re-up them and, and pay them closer to market value, and the guy is still one of the best corners in football, or you end up trying to make the most of what's still a very valuable asset to your roster uh, and, and I think would be considered such around the NFL. I know he's on the other side of 30, and I know, you know, I, I would not call last year a down year. He was Defensive Player of the Year two years ago. Was last year as dominant? No, probably not, but the guy's still very good. And I think people would value that. I really do. I look at some of the money that's getting paid out to you know younger corners that are free agents, and so those situations are different. But it just tells you how valuable that position is, especially to have a number one guy, which he still is. And so I look at teams around the league that need corners desperately, whether it's the Niners, the Cowboys, teams that want to compete, compete next year. Having Stephon Gilmore, even though he's over 30 years old, could do a lot for your team. And I think, you know, you're not getting a first round pick for Stefan Gilmore, but would you can maybe get a second? Because I think there might be teams out there that would value him that way. I agree. I agree hundred percent. And and it is a way to kind of fill in that gap between 46 and 96. And of course, get another high valued pick. But the interesting thing for me is that I, I look at really what he wants for a contract extension, because clearly he's not going to play for $7 million. And so, you know, while you're in the process of paying him more this year, you're going to look at it and say, okay, hey, 
what, you know, what do you want for a contract extension? And I think what it comes down to is what Gilmore wants. If Gilmore wants two more years, so in other words, this year and then two more, I'd do that in a heartbeat, in an in a, in a, in a New York minute, as they say. I'd do it instantly, right? If now someone threw this out to me today, I was talking on, on locker room today, and someone threw this out today where they said, you know, what if he wanted a Darius Slay contract where Slay gets, you know, four a four-year deal, two years at about 15, and then the second two at about nine. I'd strongly consider that. So that would be this year and then three more years. I know it kind of takes him into that realm of, you know, 34, 35, but he might be worth it. And with a fairly low cap number those last two years, you might have an out there where you can get out of that deal in that last few years, right? You're looking at more money than that, though. He's just, he's a better player. And so I think he will look at that contract and he'll say, yeah, that plus. You know what I mean? So whatever Slay's getting, whatever that average annual value is, plus. I mean, you're talking about Jalen Ramsey, who, again, different situation, younger player, really good, arguably the best in football right now, $20 million a year. Right. Gilmore doesn't have to be 20, probably, in his mind. I would be surprised if he he was pushing for that and and willing to die on that hill. But does he want to be 17? Right. Does he want to be 18? That's, I think, where you're going to run into an issue. And and listen, I mentioned the Cowboys. The Cowboys have all kinds of financial issues that they've got to get straightened out because they got to figure out who's playing quarterback and they're paying their running back way too much money. And there's a lot of moving parts there. So maybe that's not a great fit. But maybe the Niners on a short-term sort of deal where they have all of this talent that's on their roster that are on rookie contracts. You know, it's really how they've 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 had such a great team despite paying Jimmy Garoppolo way over market for what he's given them performance-wise, is that they've got a lot of cheap young talent on that roster right now. Could they afford to pay Gilmore what he wants for a couple of years, try to max out this window, whether it's with Garoppolo or not? Bridgewater, Darnold, whoever, somebody in the draft, I don't know. Um, But maybe that ends up being a fit because they, they feel like they can make that work. For the Patriots, I mean, they could, in theory, make it work too. They've got all kinds of space. The Patriots right now, not only do they have a lot of space this offseason, and this could change, but as it stands right now, no team has fewer cap commitments in 2022 yeah. or 2023 than the New England Patriots. So they've got a lot of flexibility right now. And if they really want to pay Stephon Gilmore and really make sure he's around for the next two, three years, they could do it. I just I'm not sure where they're at in terms of that that value chart and how they weigh things there. Right. And kind of switching it over to, we can't go an episode or, or a week without talking about the quarterback situation until it's actually figured out. An episode um, and, a week, it's like a, yeah, it's, a, it's an hour. Day. Brian. Well, for yeah. you, it's for you, it's all the time because you're all over all over TV and everything too. But for us, we can't get off this topic, and and no one around here can. Um, obviously, you floated out names. Mariota seems to be your your number one kind of. I guess if you want to go the bridge route, right? Um, I guess give me some names, right? Like what, what are they doing here? There's, you know, I, I know uh, Paul Perillo wrote something about, you know, sticking with Stidham and, and controlling the cap. And then, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of, you can't go, you can't go down that road anymore, Pat. It's just, it's, it's, it's we'll get killed. Uh, everyone's leaving the stream now. Um, Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, like what are they going to do? Do they go up and get a guy? Do they take a Mac Jones? Like there's so many different avenues and we're only obviously thankfully two weeks away from free agency. So hopefully some ducks start to fall, but we still we're, we're right back where we were at the end of week 17. Where's the jets? What are we going to do? We've got to add. And so trade free agency draft. I'm first looking at trade because 
at least mm -hmm. if you go that route, the timing of it helps. You could make a trade happen right now, tonight. You could announce it. We've seen it happen. Lions, right. Rams. You could you could work something out in an hour and and make it official. And then at least when free agency does roll around, which is upcoming, as you mentioned, Ryan, it's on the horizon. Then when that starts, and even during the legal tampering period, a couple of days before that starts, you can at least point to that guy and say, hey, yep. Allen Robinson, hey, uh, Chris Godwin, you know, those guys make good franchise, but just, hey, we have a, a professional caliber quarterback on our roster who's going to be throwing you passes. He might not be an all pro. He's probably not going to be, but at least it's somebody that they could look at and say, if I go there, we can be a competitive football team because you don't have that right now, in my opinion. Whether you believe in Jared Stidham or not, you know, it's not necessarily about what we believe. It's about what the guys that you're trying to attract to your team to play for you in 2021 believe. And so that to me is why trade is appealing. That to me is why Marcus Mariota is appealing. That's why he's more appealing than Jimmy Garoppolo, because if you do trade, the contracts come with it. And Marcus Mariota is just a cheaper contract. It right. just is. You know, I, I know if he hits all of his incentives, it ends up being 20 million spread out over two years over your cap. It's you know, 11 this year, 10 next year. I'm, I'm not worrying about that. Number one, w once you bring them in, you can rework the deal. And there have been reports. I know Greg Bedard um, reported recently that, um, or had it on his podcast that uh, he's heard that Mario is not willing to work on his deal. And if that's the case, I could see teams being sour on that and saying, okay, well, we're not going to trade for you. The Raiders aren't going to keep you. So you're going to get released. You're going to be on a new contract one way or the other. We'll make our play then. Um, but the only issue with that is again, you're waiting until yep. free agency potentially, and the timing of it might end up hurting you with some of these other guys that you're trying to bring into your team. So that's why I'd look at trade first. And then if you get to the guys that are about to hit free agency, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick the most uh, out of those guys that are available. I know he's old, but the guy has been a, a league average quarterback essentially the last three years. And he's um, a gunslinger, and I'm not sure the Patriots are, are going to like him all that much, to be honest with you. I'm not sure he's going to like it here all that much, to yeah. be honest with you, in terms of the culture and you know the everything that comes with it. Uh, but as he told Pat McAfee earlier this offseason, he doesn't have as many choices as some of these other quarterbacks that are out there you know, right. potentially changing teams. And so if he has a chance to start, maybe he feels like it's a good, it's a good place for him. So um, that's where I would be looking. But what's tough, guys, is – the trade options are limited. Takes two to tango. The free agent options. The timing's not great. The options aren't great. And if you don't get somebody going into the draft, to me, if you want to be competitive next year, you've now backed yourselves into a corner where you have to make an aggressive move to draft somebody, maybe overdraft somebody, just so you can be competitive next year. And that's not where they want to be. So to me, they got to come away with somebody that can play in March. I agree. And, and you know, to, to your Mariota point, you know, yes, they may not want to make a deal, but the fact is, is that when you start looking at, you know, him and you say, okay, he doesn't want to rework the deal. So maybe you say people are souring on him. Fine. But if he's going to get cut, well, why wouldn't the Raiders take then like a fifth round pick for him? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's basically zero value, but it's more value going to get it than if you cut him, you know? And so maybe no, maybe that's what they're waiting for. They're just sitting around waiting while someone is going to, you know, someone's going to give us a third round pick for him and you know, that's not going to happen. And so the question I think really then is how long are they willing to wait? And if the Patriots are interested in him and really him most of, you know, mostly than other than other players, which Jimmy G, look, if Jimmy G gets cut and you can give him a new deal, fine. 
I, I really, I don't want that contract. And I know it's whatever, like it's just money and this and that, but like, and they have a ton of cap space, but like, he's not worth that. He's not. And so like, I don't want that deal on our cap, whether we have the money or not, I, I don't want it. And so I don't mind the, uh, the thing. And like you said, you know, those incentives are, are all not likely to be earned. So even if you get them, yeah, sure. Okay, fine. He hits those contracts and he, he counts $10 million against next year's cap. So what? It's $10 million. Like it's not the end of the world, you know, especially where he was assume now and the cap's going to go up well by too. So like, is it well, and that's the other part it of it. Right. And you assume that the cap's going to go up by at least 30 or $40 million next year, if that's the case. I mean, this, this year's cap was, was rumored to be around what, like 210 before all COVID hit and stuff. So now you're looking at, you know, next year being at least 210, which is going to be 20 or $30 million more than it is this year. So I think that that's, that's an easy decision. And then maybe you decide whether you want to keep them or not. Like, you know, who knows? Yeah, there's still a lot of uncertainty in terms of what next year's cap might be, and it might not make that astronomical kind of leap that that you're talking about. It they might gradually bring it back over the next couple of years. You know, where it's not 185 to 210, it might be 185 to 200, and then it ends up getting back to 210 the following year. Right. But still, a lot of time to try to figure that out. But you'd think it's going to be more than it was this year. And again, right. they've got all kinds of space. And Ryan, to your point, if he if he plays and he plays relatively well and he starts most of your games. That's a veteran starting quarterback in the NFL. And whether you like it or not, the going rate, even on the very, very low end for that kind of player is $20 million. That's what Teddy Bridgewater right. is getting per year from the Carolina Panthers. He's the lowest paid veteran starting quarterback in the NFL. And so like, if that's what you have to do, that's what you, it's an important position. You've got to, you've got to pay. You've got to invest. You know, if you don't want to pay, go ahead and draft somebody. And, and that's what I would, I would support the only thing with the draft, though, again, this, this comes down to timing. It comes down to situation. It comes down to luck. But with the draft, you know, we can say, I don't want any of these guys. Let's just trade up and let's let's get aggressive and let's get our guy. I mean, good luck. Yeah. If you look at the draft between 1 and 15, you, you could make the argument there are 9 or 10 teams in there that should be interested in quarterbacks. And so how many teams do you have to leapfrog? How much do you have to give up in a trade to leapfrog those teams? Because they're going to be bidding as well, potentially. And, um, and, you know, maybe not, maybe we're all, there's group think going on right now. Chris Sims released his quarterback rankings, which yeah. I thought were great because they get the discussion going. And we talked about it tonight on our station. Um, you know, maybe these quarterbacks, the top four guys and throw Mac Jones in there too. Maybe they're not, not all of them are as highly thought of as we think they are. And so maybe somebody will slide to 15, but it's hard to predict what those teams are going to do. It's hard to go into the draft saying, we're going to get our guy in the first round because you have no idea if that's even going to be possible for you. Before we transition the draft, just someone asked a question here about Jordan Love specifically. Any chance like a guy like that's available? Do you think, I don't, I mean, that's a long shot, but like any chance a guy like that, that we're not thinking about all of a sudden becomes available and the Patriots can make a deal for him. I doubt it unless something's gone horribly wrong in green Bay with Jordan Love during right. his first year there. I mean, they drafted him knowing that he probably wasn't going to play in year one. Yeah, he was going to be a developmental guy and he's going to be there for whenever Aaron Rodgers moves on. And I like that thinking. I think that's what teams should be doing. Teams definitely should be doing that. If you're if you are the kind of team where you're not even sure you have a franchise quarterback, like right. if I'm trying to think of some good examples right now of guys that are not going to be worth massive, massive extensions. Like, well, the, I think the Baker Chiefs, Mayfield, the Chiefs Baker did a good example. The Chiefs did it with when they had Alex Smith. They traded up for, for Patrick Mahomes. It's I'm talking about guys that are on their rookie contracts. Uh -huh. Pat, that, yes. That okay. are your starters, are good players. You like them. 
you also don't want to pay them half a billion dollars. And I'm not right. saying every quarterback that's up for a new contract is going to be asking for that much because Lamar Jackson. Homes. Lamar Jackson. I think it's a it's a worthwhile question. Are you going to give Lamar Jackson close to Patrick Mahomes money? Do you feel like you have to because he's your guy? You might. I would say you're better off investing a, a relatively high-end pick, first or second round, in the next quarterback and just continuing to do this. Bucky Brooks, who I'm a big fan of, worked for NFL Network. He has this theory where NFL teams should be handling the quarterback position more like college teams. When you're a college team and you have Trevor Lawrence on your roster, you don't stop recruiting quarterbacks. You know the guy's going to be gone in four years. So every couple of years, I mean, probably every year for these bigger programs, but every couple of years, you get the next guy. That's what NFL teams should be doing because most of these guys, as, we, as we've seen with Jared Goff, as we've seen with Carson Wentz, are not worth the big extension, even if they're pretty good because pretty good on a massive deal can kill your team in terms of how you want to build that thing financially. So um, like the, the Packers I thought were smart, it wouldn't – it wouldn't surprise me, A, if Bill Belichick was willing to do that sort of college approach to the quarterback position because it seems like he's he's not interested in paying top, top market based on what we've seen with Tom Brady over the course right. of the last um, you know, several years of his career here. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he, he went that route, and I think he's forward-thinking enough to, to at least – give it a shot. And, you know, who knows? We'll see. We, we have no idea how he's going to handle the position. It's part of the reason why we are so interested in this offseason. But I I love that theory. I think it's smart. I think it's smart team building. Packers did it for years where they would just draft quarterbacks and and just, you know, they don't have to be first or second rounders, but Brunel, just continue to bring Aaron guys in Brooks. and see if you hit yeah, because it's so there's so much value there if you hit on the guy. Right. Right. Yeah, no. So speaking of the draft, who's your guy? Who's like the guy you're looking at like, okay, if this guy drops, we can go up and get him. I mean, it's interesting. You talk about 12, you know, with San Fran, like if that guy starts dropping and you don't have a deal with Gilmore, maybe 15 and Gilmore gets that deal done and you can get up to 12 to get the guy you want. Or even at 10 with the Cowboys, now they may not be able to swing it financially, but, you know, 15 and, and Gilmore up to 10, you know, probably gets that deal done, you know? So who's that guy where if like he starts falling, you're like, okay, you got to go get that guy. I think the way I would I would rank the top four would be Lawrence Wilson. I like Trey Lance a lot. And so I would go Lance and then Fields, then Jones is probably how I would do it right yeah. now. Um, I would take any of them at 15, even Mac Jones. I'm, I'm now talking myself into Mac no, Jones. Phil, no. I am. It's just oh, too much value. God. If you hit, even if he's like, say he's Derek Carr. Right. Derek Carr is not an, an athletic, quote unquote, athlete at the quarterback position. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. You know, people keep comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady. It doesn't have to be that. He's not the only guy who's who's not a, a great athlete who's succeeding in the NFL right now. Derek Carr, Matt Ryan is not an um, unbelievable athlete. It would be unbelievable value to get a Derek Carr slash Matt Ryan type at number 15 overall, pay him on a rookie contract, and then build your team around that guy to give him every opportunity to succeed. Surround him with great talent at receiver. Do It's the Josh Allen plan. The right. Bills were not a great team in 2017, 2018. They drafted a guy that they thought they could build around who had great skills that they thought would be really good in a few years. And they 
did it the right way. They coached him up. Brian Dayball's done a phenomenal job. They've done a great job surrounding him with talent. Cole Beasley one year, all of a sudden, wow, Josh Allen's become actually pretty good in the short area, believe it or not, after being one of the most inaccurate passers in football. The next year they had Stefan Diggs. Wow, he's actually pretty accurate down the field too. Funny how that works. You get a great short area receiver, you get a great deep receiver, and all of a sudden the guy can throw it anywhere he wants and have success. Like there's there's value in the quarterback on a rookie contract. And Bill Belichick actually talked to us about that late last year. I think it was right before the Cardinals game um, because Kyler Murray was obviously in the conversation. And if you if you get a guy who is even just pretty good, even if you just think Derek Carr is pretty good, that on that kind of money contract can be incredibly valuable. And so um, to answer your question, my guy, I think I'm I'm probably of the realistic options. My guy would be Trey Lance because I I, I do buy in on the the, the physical skill set. And I think the mechanics are, you know, f- not that I'm a quarterbacking expert, but from what you hear, from what you see, he just looks clean. He's accurate, short. He can th- throw it 60 yards down the field with a flick of a wrist. He obviously can run and you can do a lot of the same things he did with Cam this year and the red zone with him. I think, you know, it, everything you hear, he's, he's a intelligent guy, D- very small sample size, which would have me worried if I was in an NFL right. front office, but I would be willing to, to bet on those traits because traits right now at that position seem to be what's working. And so yeah. that that's what I would be in on. Yeah. I mean, it, it- You'd have to trust him too. It's such it'd be such an unpatriot like move to go up and get a guy like that. But obviously they've never had to do it. Um, I think Jones like makes the most sense typically because when you look at the quarterbacks that they typically drafted over here, like I said, they weren't mm-hmm. necessarily drafting starters, but they did spend a third rounder on Brissett, a second rounder on Garoppolo, third rounder on Mallet. You can throw Stidham in there as a fourth rounder. Big come from, you know, power five schools, multi years of experience, seniors, you know, that kind of dealt with adversity, played big time football. Mac Jones crosses the list, crosses the boxes of all those things, right? I think uh, Lance, on the other hand, is completely against what they've drafted in the past. But at the same time, you make the argument they never had to go that route. So I think if they did trade up or they wanted it, they, they saw a guy that they liked and they felt they could go get him, I'd trust them that that's their guy. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think whoever they have confidence in that they feel like they can coach up. I think that's, that's the benefit that they still have. I think, you know, relative to the rest of the league, it's not the talent on the roster. It's the talent on the sidelines, you know, between Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, you should feel pretty good that if you bring somebody in, you're going to be able to get the best out of them. Uh, And part of that is surrounding them with good talent, but you should be able to, to coach them up and, and take them to another level. That's kind of why I like Trey Lance, but you're right he's not what they've taken in the past. What they've taken are quarterbacks from power five conferences who are certain height, certain weight that have a certain touchdown interception ratio, certain percentage. That's it's not, yeah, it's not (laughs) how, how they're going to look at it. But, but like for us, it's not that hard to narrow down their options based on what they've drafted in the past, um, based on statistical analysis and height, weight, speed sort of analyses. Um, is that a word? Analyses? Is that the sure plural is. of analysis? Analysi? Yes, um, so, like, I think Mac Jones, when we do our prototypical Patriots list this year, we do it every year. That's what we're trying to identify our, our yeah, guys that are going to be on their board, essentially, guys that yeah. they're going to be interested in based on what they've drafted in the past. I, Mac Jones is going to be at the top of the list. He's gonna, right. He is the the prototype, I think, this year and he's for safe. the Patriot that position. He's safe really is what it comes down to. You know what you're going to get. He may not be a superstar. He may not be 
a top five guy in the league like Trey Lance could develop into, but he's safe. You know what you're going to get. And like, that's, that's Bill. That's what Bill does. He's like, he's, he's not, he doesn't typically bet on athleticism and traits. Now he did a little bit last year. So maybe we're seeing a little bit of a change in philosophy in him for him. But I mean, it's still, that's an awfully big jump to go from drafting Kyle Duggar in the second round to drafting Mac Jones, you know, uh, at 15 overall, you know? Yeah. I mean, we just haven't seen it at that position, right? Uh, one indicator that would tell us that he's, he's actually not disinterested in it, but it, he, he's not salivating for an athlete with a massive arm at that position is the fact they didn't draft Jordan Love last year. Right. They had the opportunity to draft him. He was on the board when they traded out of the first round and they opted not to. And he has more experience than Trey Lance better competition than Trey Lance. And so, you know, he might be my guy, but I, I feel pretty safe in assuming at least right now um, that he, he's not going to be necessarily at the top of their list just because, you know, we don't know everything behind the scenes. There may be a ton of differences between Jordan love and Trey Lance, but that those juicy qualities that you find in a quarterback, those physical qualities that really stand out, that really, jump off the screen. I don't know if that's necessarily what they're most interested in. I mean, I asked Bill Belichick about Josh Allen this past year and, and he got into a discussion about what makes a good quarterback. Wasn't athleticism, wasn't arm strength. Uh, and some general managers will list those things pretty high on the list for Bill Belichick. It was decision-making and anticipation. Wasn't even accuracy. Accuracy used to be one of the top two for him. Used to be decision-making and accuracy. That was a pretty consistent answer for him for about 10 years. And then it changed ever so slightly where he even referenced accuracy, but he put decision-making and anticipation above both of those things. And Mac Jones does both of those things well. And he's accurate. Yeah, and, and kind of transitioning to kind of a latter half of the show here, um, tight end position, right? You, you you go up and you get two guys inside the just outside the top 100. It was Asiasi 98 and Keen was like 102 around there. Um, Asiasi looks like in the, in the brief stint, we saw him looks like he can be a, a, you know, a reliable tight end to, uh, Keen still no idea what it, uh, everyone kind of floated out the, the Kyle use role. And, you know, it just didn't work out. It, it's obviously a tough position to kind of come into in the NFL and, and produce right away. Um, but I think, you know, there's some key veteran options out there. Obviously Hunter Henry's probably going to demand the market. Uh, I think that's probably a little bit out of their price range, but then you get into John U. Smith, who some teams may value him even higher. Kyle Rudolph just got released, you know, um, Jared Cook, Gerald Everett, guys like that, that, you know, may not, uh, not John U. Smith, but the other guys I mentioned may not cost top dollar, but a guy that can come in and ultimately help your passing game. Everyone likes to get on the receivers, but it's hard for your receivers to produce when you're getting absolutely nothing out of the tight end position that they've gotten in the last two years. And I think that's the lack of experience and the veteran presence at that position. So um, I guess some guys for you that, you know, you'd target for free agency, maybe not for top tier money, but kind of that second tier of guys that can come in and at least help move the chains a little bit. Yeah. Any of them, all of them, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like why not? At, and they you know, have to point. go that route, right? Like they've waited too, too long. This life after Gronk just seems like he's been gone for two years. It feels like forever. Right. <laughs> you mentioned the the difficulty of that spot is it is really hard to contribute contribute right away. Obviously, last off season didn't help. So whatever stunted you know development you're going to have just by playing that position is going to be even more so based on everything that was going on last year. 
and is probably honestly is going to continue into this off season as well. I mean, it's, it's just going to be a different off season for teams, I think. And so um, it's hard to, to count on those two rookies as, as the guys um, again, Belichick spoke about him at the end of last year and it was, it was not the, um, the Josh Uche answer. I don't remember if you, I don't know if you guys remember what he said about Josh Uche towards the end of the year, which is very glowing. He's going to help us next year. We just yep. need to, you know, dial in the role a little bit more. He said something to that effect. He's he's a good player. He's going to help us next year. When it came to Devin Asiasi, who had a you know good last game there, you know, catches the touchdown and puts it together a little bit in the last week of the season. And he said he's got he's got a lot of work to do. He's got to work really hard. He's got to figure it out. Essentially, you know, I'm not those aren't, those aren't direct quotes. Right. Um, so, you know. I, I think for them, the key is to remember they still want guys who can do both. They want guys who can catch and guys who can block. That hasn't changed. So are they interested in, and I don't know enough about Gerald Everett, but are they interested in in a guy like Gerald Everett, who to me, um, I think looks like a willing blocker, but he's not a, a dominant edge guy. He's not a huge body. Uh, Johnny Smith is a little bit more of a move option. It feels like so some versatility there. Um, and I, I think he can block like I, I would lean Smith maybe over Everett right now. But again, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm a, uh, I'm a Gerald Everett expert at the moment. So, um, they just, that's what they want. They want dual threats in the draft in free agency. Wouldn't shock me if they were interested in Kyle Rudolph, because even though he's not a dynamic receiving option, he's a red zone receiving option. Guy's really good hands and he's going to block. And that's a, that's an upgrade over what you have right now. So there's at least there's options for them guys. And we're going to see more. We did a cap casualty piece, Tommy Karn and I, NFC, AFC, he did the NFC. I did the AFC. It's a bunch of options. You know, we've already seen a couple come off from the saints today um, that are going to be free, that are going to be available. And so, you know, is it Jared Cook? Is it Eric Ebron? Is Eric Ebron a cap casualty in Pittsburgh? Um, right. Like, those are the kinds of names we might see in the next week or so here come available. Well, and Cook is a guy that we famously have heard that they offered a fairly large contract to, and you know, he turned it down because they didn't want to be Gronk's backup essentially before Gronk retired. But you know, that was that was a situation where they were interested in him already. And so now a few years later, it makes sense that they would try to bring him in again. Of course, you would assume now it would be on a, a cheaper deal, perhaps even just a one-year deal. Um, but, you know, that's a guy that they already had some interest in clearly a few years later. But nevertheless, you know, I, I think that it would make sense for it to them to bring someone like that in, you know? Yeah, I totally. I just think having somebody a little different than quarterback, but again, right. having somebody you know can play would go a long way in terms of just securing the viability of this roster where you want to be competitive. I don't think they have any appetite for going seven and nine again. And so is it as important as quarterback? Nope. And the way they've handled the position the last few years might tell you that they would be okay with just seeing if those year two guys develop. And if they, they don't, then they don't. And they, they kind of roll with what they have because that's what they've done essentially the last two years. But um, I I think it's pretty clear. They got to make a move there somehow. Yeah. All right. We want to get you out of here, but before you do, there are two other guys that got released already that are cap casualties that I want to talk about. And those two guys are of course, Kyle Van Noy, who spent a good chunk of time here in New England. And the other guy who just got released today was Golden Tate and Golden Tate's a guy that uh, kind of popped up my radar. Like, Oh, Golden Tate. Well, that's interesting. So now of course, another guy that's cheaper option, but you know, good route runner, explosive player. Again, I don't know, you know, not sure exactly what that looks like, as far as contract wise, as far as how much he has left in the tank. 
Um, but you know, do you think, first of all, do you think KVN comes back? And second of all, do you think it's worth taking a shot at, at golden Tate or that they will take a shot at golden Tate? Yeah. I don't know if Kyle Van Noy will come back. I think the Patriots should look into it. I think he would be a big help. I do. Yeah. I know Dante Hightower, it sounds like is, is planning on coming back. Um, he is a huge add to the front seven there for the Patriots. We know everything he can do in terms of his versatility, his leadership, his communication. You get exponentially better just by having that guy back. I think for me, free agency, the draft, there is no better defensive addition that they'll make this offseason than if Dante Hightower comes back. Um, that's how important he is in my view. Kyle Van Noy, similarly valuable, though not to the same extent, but there is a whole trickle down or trickle up effect that that could occur if he comes back because he can play off the ball and on. We saw he played exclusively on the edge essentially in 2019, and that's what he did in Miami, but we saw him play basically 50-50 on the end of the line of scrimmage and in the middle of the field in 2018. And they had a great defense that year too. And he could do it. He could handle it all. The communication was great. It was sound. He can play the run. He can obviously get after the passer. He understands when they want to scheme up pressure, how to run these two and three man games. So I I think he would have a lot of value to them. Is it $15 million a year worth of value? That might be even for the Patriots and all their cap space. That might be a little rich. I wouldn't be surprised if they, they turn their nose up at that, but the way he would make others better. If he's there, does Chase Winovich have to be a three down player? You know, you could specify his role. You can specify the Uche role. You can allow Anthony Jennings to, to develop maybe as an off the ball guy on the ball guy and not be thrust into so many situations the way he was last year. And it didn't go great. You know? So I, I think just adding one piece can help a lot of pieces improve. I think we're already see it with Hightower. I think you could see it with Van Noy too. And with Tate, you know, this is sort of like the tight end answer. Like we're going to see a lot of uh, veteran receivers become available and everybody that follows the Patriots is, is going to be interested in all of them because right. they're, they're all going to represent some level of, of upgrade, but competitor versatile inside out. That's what he has been. I don't know where he's at ethically. I don't know how much he has, he has left quote unquote, but again, they're, they're in a spot where any kind of consistent, professional presence would help them out. And that's what he would be in my opinion. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's yeah. Right. Anything, literally anything at this point, you know, just bring me someone that can play. Just see, just see how much it would cost. You know, I think that that's the Patriots are obviously going to benefit by the fact that they have so much cap space, but these players being released, you know, the market's not going to be great for these guys. Unfortunately for them, these middle class, these middle tier veterans, quote unquote, the guys that are on second, third, fourth contracts where teams look at them and say, we like you, but the cap is what it is. And I might be able to get 65% of your production from a guy that I draft in the second or third round. I'm sorry. We just can't make it work this year. That guy's going to be much cheaper, right? That's going to happen uh, all throughout the league. And so uh, cost matters to the Patriots. And these guys that are going to be coming available, I think by and large are, are going to be good values. So you don't necessarily just jump at Golden Tate just because he's available, but those are the types of guys that are be, going to be free. And you might be able to pick from one of a handful of them to help make your roster better. Yeah, agreed. Appreciate it, Phil. I know you got to get out of here. Uh, I do. I appreciate you guys. 
thanks for having me. I always, always fun talking, talking with you guys. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to talk again soon here and uh, hope, yeah. hopefully you guys are staying safe. Yeah. For make sure, sure you, you pl- plug yourself before you go though, because I mean, I mean, listen, anyone well, I love the little crawl at the you. bottom. I love yeah, the crawl at the bottom. The I got the, you guys got the Twitter handle going. So yeah. Uh, at Phil a Perry on Twitter, uh, make sure you're watching us. Um, our Bella early edition, six o'clock. Usually we're off tomorrow night, but we'll be back Friday. Uh, Town Fair Tire Boston Sports tonight, all the time. Hopefully, you guys are watching our Celtics coverage. Uh, and, and Bertrand, have, right? So, and Bertrand, you you make you pop on there here every once in a while. Yep, yep. yep. Um, and uh, yeah, those guys are awesome. And so we've got a lot we've got a lot going on on NBCSportsBoston.com in terms of the stuff that we're talking about. You know, if you're into that, the draft, free agency, just about every single day, we're we're hitting you with new stuff on NBCSportsBoston.com. So go check that out. And we love that that next Pat's podcast that you do is great because you get you get really in depth in some play. You had Zayvon Collins, I think you had talked to his his college coach, right? So you get the college coaches on, and you really kind of get in depth on some players that you're interested in, which I really like a lot. I, you do a great job with that. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate that. Yeah, we had Quinn Miners on the the offensive lineman who kind of yep. went viral. The gut hashtag yep. the gut. Yeah. yeah. Um, who was, was great a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we'll hopefully have a, a couple of. Uh, really interesting players coming up here soon. Uh, we talked to uh, Connie Carberg, who was the first ever female NFL scout in the history of the oh, league. Wow. We talked to her for this week's podcast. It is Women's History Month. And so who better for us to have? We're all about scouting the draft, the Senior awesome. Bowl. The Senior Bowl is a big part of her story. She's phenomenal. Tremendous personality. We talk quarterbacks at the end. She's, she worked for the Jets, and so she is still maybe the world's biggest Jets fan. And I know this is a Patriots-specific podcast, but um, I promise you by the end of this interview, you will feel as though you are kindred spirits with, with Connie Carberg. She's, she was awesome. So, uh, so awesome. if you have time, make sure you go and check out the, uh, the next Pat's pod. Thanks for giving that a shout, Pat. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thanks again, Phil. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Awesome, guys. Thank you.